I guess I'll just sit there. I was going to maybe have us group a little better, but it's all right. All right, are we ready to roll? Ready. Okay. So I will command no obvious attention without any sound today, so it'll be very mellow, so without any amplification. So Okay. Do you guys want to sit closer to me or is everybody okay? Did you say you guys were gonna be necking on the back row? <laughs> They're necking on the back row. Is that what no. you said? No, no. necking. Oh. Sure necking. Is that what you said? This is not a car wash. Okay. Nope. <laughs> yeah. We did go through a car wash. This the other is day. not a car wash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think the red couch is not where it belongs because there's like hardly any it's space. Rarely where it belongs. I'm not exactly sure where it belongs. See, it says that we weren't over in this area on Wednesday. I would have had it fixed on Wednesday. Okay. So, do we have any um, announcements or anything? I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I have an announcement. Okay. We, uh, at the co-op, there is our final <laughs> event next Saturday, and it's for the anybody, but we're really focusing on this um, Lincoln Central neighborhood, and so that's why I have a, a uh, what's poster in the window. So if uh, you guys could come and represent TLR, that would be great, great for kids, <laughs> the whole life cycle is available to be observed. There's probably eggs you buy too. Okie dokie. Okay. Other announcements? After today, after service, we're meeting and talking about block party. This area, just 10 minutes. Okay. Kind of get some plans rolling. And then next week is community meal. And I, ha- I can't decide on a theme. Is it next week? No, it's not next week. It's not next week. Not we, have a, we have a fifth Sunday in April. Sunday? So you have Come an extra on. week, Rachel. Good, I hadn't decided really? on a theme. Yeah. It's the 29th next, right? Yeah, 29th. Oh, I see what you're saying. The 29th is a fifth Sunday. Yes. Ah, gotcha. So, like, our meeting gotcha. is next Sunday morning at 10. Gotcha. <laughs> Plug for that. It's right. better than today because I've heard it couldn't have been here. So true. 
Yes. All right. Other announcements? Well, let's pray, and then this will be hopefully more of a discussion than a presentation, but we'll see where it goes. All right, let's pray. God, uh, we just ask that your, uh, your Spirit be with us today, and that uh, we'll have a good discussion about uh, Paul and Silas and uh, the time they spent in jail together. And uh, we ask that uh, we'll walk away having learned something that will help us uh, walk away closer to you than when we came in. Um, and ultimately, um, we ask that you'll help us to be the best family that we can be for you. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so I titled this Paul and Silas, but it should certainly be um, Paul and Silas in prison or maybe um, the breakout. I, I kind of like that even better. Um uh, they only get an hour. It's like one of those escape rooms. <laughs> I, I was sitting there thinking, I only get an hour. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so to dive into this, so I want to back up just a little bit and talk a little bit about um, breakouts and jails and that type of thing. Um, so I want to look at Luke chapter 4 to begin with. So this is Jesus. This is a quote from Jesus. And he says, the Lord has put his spirit in me because he appointed me to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent me to tell the captives they are free and to tell the blind that they can see. God sent me to free those who have been treated unfairly. Um, and I, don't, I always get metaphors in these. What, what actually is this? Um, whether it's a metaphor or not, I, I don't know. But nonetheless... To me, there's physical, there's mental, emotional, spiritual captivity. So captivity can come in a lot of forms. And I think when we read this, I doubt many of us read it in terms of applying it to ourselves and, and think of literal captivity. I think we all recognize that this is a some sort of maybe spiritual captivity or some other challenge like that. Like I said, maybe it's a, maybe it's a mental situation or an emotional situation. Um, or some physical beyond being in jail itself. Um, but nonetheless, I think they're all kind of equally constrained, and somewhere or another, Christ is in the middle of this, um, this idea of freeing us from captivity. Okay? Um, oh, this really always throws me off because my phone shows something different than what's on there. Okay. Um, but in Acts, there are three different jailbreaks. Um, and I hadn't noticed this. So again, this is where the lectionary was really good um, because one of the people there talked about this, that there are these three different jailbreaks um, or potential jailbreaks in Acts. So the first one happens in Acts chapter 5. And by the way, we're going to be looking at Acts 16. I didn't, I, it was on the first slide, but I didn't mention that. Um, so in Acts chapter 5, it says, The high priest and all his friends, a group called the Sadducees, because they were... Sad, you see. Um, became very jealous. They, it never gets old to me. Like, like I could, every hour of the day, I could do it again. Um, they took the apostles and put them in jail, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and led the apostles outside. So it's kind of interesting that we've got Jesus talking about setting the captives free, but in this particular case, it was very much 
a jailed captive that was set free. Um, it, you know, it was a true jailbreak that happened uh, via God in some form, via a, a spirit, an angel, something um, happened there. Okay. Then we go to Acts chapter 12. Get a little longer one here, but it's interesting. So it was the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, him being Peter, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Other soldiers were guarding the door of the jail. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there, and a light shined in the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Hurry, get up, the angel said, and the chains fell off Peter's hands. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and Peter, Peter did. Then the angel said, put on your coat and follow me. So Peter followed him out, but he did not know if what the angel was doing was real. He thought he might be seeing a vision. They went past the first and second guards and came to the iron gate that, was, that separated them from the city. The gate opened by itself for them, and they went through it. When they had walked down one street, the angel suddenly left him. So that's jailbreak number two. Again, a very, very literal jailbreak um, that happened in Acts. And now we're going to get to Acts um, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Um, one thing I wanted to say about this part of Acts is that this is when um, Paul is with Silas. And, and I'd love to go off and spend more time about this, but it's interesting that he's with Silas because he's with Silas because of a fight. So Paul had been hanging out with Barnabas just prior to this, and him and Barnabas had some kind of disagreement, and the disagreement ultimately led to Paul and Barnabas separating. Barnabas wanted to take this dude with them that Paul wasn't so hip on, and so Barnabas took that dude and went off and did some good things, we think. Um, I don't know how much, if we have any documentation about what they did, but we're assuming some good things happened. Um, and then Paul picked up Silas, who he liked, and said, hey, why don't you come hang out with me? And so that is what has led to the events that um, are happening now with them being put in jail. So let's see if I can get this where we can see it. There we go. All right. 16 verse 6. Sorry, get a little lower here. Okay. So once while we were going to the place for prayer, a servant girl met us. She had a special spirit in her, and she earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. This girl followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you, how you can be saved. And I think it's funny because when I read a story like this, my head's already going way ahead. So what's thinking in my mind is, ah, this girl's going to basically call them out for who they really are and they're going to get in trouble. That's where I think the story's going. But it's a little bit different than that. She kept this up for many days. This bothered Paul, so he turned and said to the Spirit, so not necessarily to the girl, but to the Spirit, by the power of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. Immediately the spirit came out. Okay, so things are looking pretty good. When the owners of the servant girl saw this, they knew that now they could not use her to make money. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the city rulers in the marketplace. They brought Paul and Silas to the Roman rulers and said, These men are Jews and are making trouble in our city. They are teaching things that are not right for us as Romans to do. 
The crowd joined the attack against them. The Roman officers tore the clothes of Paul and Silas and had them beaten with rods. Then Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, and the jailer was ordered to guard them carefully. When he heard this order, he put them far inside the jail and pinned their feet down between large blocks of wood. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. And, and I will just tell you that verse 25 is something we could spend a lot of time talking about because it's such a big deal to our lives today, uh, taking that situation and turning it into that. But suddenly there was a strong earthquake that shook the foundation of the jail. Then all the doors of the jail broke open and all the prisoners were freed from their chains. The jailer woke up and saw that the jail doors were open. Thinking that the prisoners had already escaped, he got his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't hurt yourself. We are all here. The jailer told someone to bring a light. Then he ran inside, shaking with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them outside and said, Men, what must I do to be saved? So I think it's so interesting how you can see this turning from a different type of jailbreak uh, than what we originally were thinking it was going to be. They said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and all the people in your house. So Paul and Silas told the, mess, told the message of the Lord to the jailer and all the people in his house. At that hour of the night, I'm sorry, at that hour of the night, the jailer took Paul and Silas and washed their wounds. Then he and all his people were baptized immediately. After this, the jailer took Paul and Silas home and gave them food. He and his family were very happy because they now believed in God. Okay, so this is a jailbreak reversal. So how's it a jailbreak reversal? So it's not like the other two jailbreaks. They didn't leave. Okay, they, they didn't actually leave. Um, and who did the jailbreak, uh, who ended up getting broken out of jail in, in, in a sense? So, so the jailer did, yeah. So we kind of get that, okay. And so, and then the second question is the same. So, so who was imprisoned? Um, and it's, you know, this counterintuitive thing that, in a sense, the jailer was imprisoned. Um, so, I guess I want to ask this question to us today. You, you go all the way back to the Jesus statement in the beginning where he is saying that he is going to um, set the captives free. You know, so it's just kind of, we're making full loop here to say, so who's imprisoned? So who is imprisoned? So in this case, the jailer was imprisoned. And so it's like, so how are we imprisoned? You know, how, how do we set ourselves up to be imprisoned? So you can respond if you want, but you don't have to. So, so how are we imprisoned? How are we in a situation where we, we need to be set free? You can be silent. That's okay. If somebody wants to say something, they can. I think from expectations, either we put on ourselves or other people put on us. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I've not been as nice to Jill this week as I should be. Um, so we all have our own guapos. So I had, I had one yesterday. Um, but um, it's, it's interesting to me how I can let work stress... Um, even though I don't feel like it's bothering me that much, it's like, 
you, we all have a little bit of stress in our lives, and then when it piles a little bit higher, there's, there's a point at which at least I stop handling it as well as I should. And I, I think that may have been what was going on this week. I'm not sure. Um, but if I were honest. I didn't say that you have a confession time. Yeah. Father. But thank you. But when I was reading this in prison, it's like, yeah, it's funny how I can let something as silly as, as trying to meet expectations at work really become a burden to me. And it's not even anybody at work pushing me very hard. I mean, they're very appreciative of what I'm doing. No one's making a big deal out of it, but yet I still feel this pressure, you know, that I have to meet some set of expectations. I have something. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times I feel imprisoned by, like, being materialistic, like somehow something that we're going to buy or the house we have or whatever is going to give us, like, a sense of freedom oh, yeah. or whatever. Um, I think cars are weird that way. It's amazing for me how I can convince myself that that type of a thing, like a car or maybe a new phone, like, a, like I got a new iPhone. And like in my head, I think that life is going to be so much amazingly better. And actually, it's rarely better for even an hour. Like, like it's so amazingly short that like everything is exactly the same as it was, you know, a day earlier. And yet, in my head, I envision like all these great things are going to happen. In this mindset of like, yeah. what next can I get that's going to somehow make me happy? Yeah, right, right. Um, Breaking <laughs> stuff. I was going to try to say something funny, but I couldn't come up with anything. So, um, so that was funny. <laughs> hopefully, that was funny. So. So I asked this, so how are we constrained from living, I, I, I prefer the word rightly over righteously, only because as soon as you say righteous, either you're smoking pot or, you're, or it's a Christian phrase. It's, it's like, it's, it's this weird word, but yet I like, the word righteous is really what I mean, because righteous means living rightly, so anyways. Um, but if we're honest with ourselves, how constrained are we in our culture from living rightly if we want to? Like, are, are, are we heavily constrained from being able to do the right things or not? I mean, for me, I, I'm actually not. I mean, I, I have the freedom, really, really, with very, very little pressure from not doing what is right. Like, the, the, when I was a little snarky to Jill yesterday, I mean, there wasn't much out there keeping me from not doing that. But yet, somehow, I slip into doing things that are not quite what I ought to be doing. Does that make sense? I hope you guys are kind of tracking. It's like, like we're imprisoned, but how constrained are we from just doing what's right? Are we really constrained? And the answer is probably not very. I mean, Paul and Silas, I mean, they're in prison. They've got this hunk of wood thing on their feet, and they're breaking out in the song. That's where I was saying that one verse. We could talk about that for a long time. It's like, like, there is a pretty dire, what we would consider to be a pretty dire situation. I'm telling you, if I was in the jail in downtown Columbus right now, I doubt I would be praising and singing songs, you know. Even, even though I was there, hopefully, unrighteously, um, even though that, I don't think I'd be having a little party for Jesus while I was there. And yet, there would be nothing keeping me from doing that. I can do that. Um, so I said here that things aren't always as they seem. Um, 
you look at Paul and Silas and you think they're in prison, and yet they turned that into a time to celebrate break Christ, ultimately turned it into an opportunity to reach out and help the jailer. Um, and it's like, we see them as burdened. We see them as someone needing to step in and rescue them from jail. And the truth of it is, that was just fine. They were able to use that without any trouble at all. So things are not always as they seem. And um, I wanted to talk briefly, it's, I'm wedging this in here because it doesn't quite fit, but about this week. So my aunt passed away this week. Um, and it wasn't, you know, we were talking with some friends about our highs and lows a couple days ago this week. And I didn't even mention it because it wasn't really the most impactful thing of the week for me on a plus or a minus, which is kind of weird. Um, but when I went to her funeral, um, it was not as it would seem. So I wrote here, um, there were several things about her funeral that really, that were really quite special that I didn't expect. And in fact, Jill and I even discussed whether we were going to go to the funeral or not. So of my, I was trying to add it up. I have eight and I have 13 aunts and uncles. And I would say she was definitely in the top three of the ones I was closest to, but that's not saying much because I'm not close to any of them. Um, so we were like not even sure we would go to the funeral. We thought maybe we'll just go over to the viewing the night before. And then I kind of said, no, I kind of felt like we should go to the funeral. Well, when we got there, just list a few things that happened where things can, can really surprise you in that situation. So one sad thing, my mom's got dementia. This sister has the same disease. It just got her before it got my, she's younger than my mom, but it hit her about 10 years ago. Um, and that's ultimately what caused her to pass. But my mom's still together enough that my mom walked up to the casket, kind of rather unemotional, um, but she actually touched her sister, reached down. And that's, that's just my mom. My mom's always touched dead people. I mean, that's just, she, she's just always that way. Like anytime we would go to a funeral home, she reaches in, touches them, touches their faces, pats them. She's just always that way. Even though as a mom, she was not a touchy-feely person at all. Um, but it meant a lot to the family. Uh, one of the daughters said to, uh, my sister-in-law said, your mom's the only person I saw touch her. And, and you could tell it was really special. It felt very endearing that she did that. Um, we heard, um, oh, I saw some aunts and uncles I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And it was just a lot more fun than I expected. Um, they had a preacher there that was actually a, a nephew. I, it might have been the best funeral sermon I've ever heard just because it was so loving and genuine. It wasn't preachy. I hate, I hate it when I go to a funeral and someone evangelizes, drives me completely bazonkers. Um, this guy was just all about comforting the family, telling wonderful stories, uplifting the situation. It was just great. Um, and then the last one, which was super cool, was I've not gone to church with my mom in years to actually sit next to her. And they decided to have some songs. And so we sang some hymns. We pulled hymn books out. And I, and I, I wasn't sure whether my mom could find the page number. So I found the page number for it and handed it to her. And that part of her brain's just fine. And I mean, she just kicked in and started, you know, reading the words and singing the songs that were old hymns she knew. No problems at all. And I was like, wow, I have not heard this. Like, it brought me back to like a little kid. I mean, I haven't heard that in years and years and years. And it just struck me, you know, things aren't always at this, as they seem. And we look at these situations and I envisioned what going there to the funeral was going to be like. And I never envisioned all these other beautiful things would come out of it. So it ended up being a really, really nice week. Um, and so then the last thing, which we've talked quite a bit about, is who was saved and how. I, I wrote this down here just to make sure we all catch this. So the apostles didn't escape. That's not, that wasn't who got saved. 
But by them staying, they saved the jailer. And um, the word saved, again, in Christian circles can get really weird. Um, But specifically, they saved him from killing himself. They likely saved him if he hadn't killed himself and they had left from being executed because he was on the hook to keep an eye on them. So if they disappeared, decent chance he would have been executed. They saved the jailer from his old ways. And then to me, one of the big things is what do you save something to? I think that's oftentimes more important. And they saved him to God's way, saved him to being a part of God's family. Um, They saved him to God's freedom, which I think is a really weird thing to think about. That by staying captives, they freed the jailer, not from the traditional way of freeing things, but freed him from a life um, that he was living. So really, really interesting. Um, Mark Throntvelt, I guess is how you say that. He's one of the podcast um, uh, teachers for the lectionary. And he had this really simple phrase right at the very end. As they were starting to wrap things up, he said, our message must be simple. Our message about Christ must be simple. And something that is lived out in our daily lives. Because they were having a discussion, uh, the three teachers, about how Paul and Silas just did what they do. Like, like they likely could see that, man, if we leave, this jailer is, he's sunk. And so they're like, hey, we're in here. We're praising. Things are good. We're just going to live our life. And they just did. And uh, um, had a very simple message about who they are and what they are and what they're doing. Um, and it was just awesome. And I think for me, sometimes I get, I get that complicated too much in my head. Um, about, for the most part, we can get all theological, even at the funeral. You know, you, I found myself at funerals sometimes, you hear cer- certain things said about what is heaven and where is somebody, and it's like those things are packed with all kinds of, of um, theologies that aren't particularly uh, able to be backed up with Scripture. You'll, but you'll hear this stuff in that. Do you know where I'm going with that, Jen? Yes. So at funerals especially, you'll hear this. People, yes. people, oh, yeah. people will be saying things like, well, we know they're up there singing with the angels, playing harps, and walking on streets of gold kind of thing. You're like, ooh, you know. Not sure that's actually what's happening. Um, but, but, so, so the guy talking, probably if I'd had a the- theological discussion with him, we wouldn't have seen eye to eye. But man, his message of love was simple that day. I mean, it was so simple. And you could just tell he was genuine. He was what he was. And uh, genuine, he was genuine, and what he was saying was who he was. Um, at least that was my takeaway, and it was just completely awesome. Um, so I think the last thing, and we'll, we'll dive, dive into communion here with a little bit early, which is awesome. Um, we'll dive into communion, and I, and I want you guys to think about this question. So, how do we use our imprisonment, whatever that means for you, to create and encourage positive things to happen. So we saw Paul and Silas do that in a really cool way. So how do we use those difficult times, those areas where we feel like we're tied down, maybe if we think through it, we're not as tied down as we think we are, and how do we do that? And um, what I wrote down here is my answer for that, I think, is to tie this into communion is, Communion with Christ is the way to do it, but not just taking these emblems, but daily communion. This close interaction with Christ. You know, Paul and Silas there praising God and singing songs. You know, if we can just, oh, when it gets difficult, step back and be like, hey, Jesus, 
what should I be doing here? How, how, how can I use this? If, we get, if you can get your head there, um, how can you use your imprisonment? Another way you can say is your challenges, the difficult times in your life um, to create positive things. And I think certainly one way is daily communion with Christ. Um, so think on that. And we will um, take a few minutes here um, to take communion. And then that's the day. So let's pray. God, we thank you for sharing great stories with us. And um, we appreciate uh, how we could take a story from a couple thousand years ago. And uh, so often we can see ourselves in that story. Um, and we just ask today that as we take this communion that uh, we'll never forget our uh, need for closeness with Christ, our need to never forget the, the huge debt um, that was paid for us, um, uh, and uh, the huge uh, opportunity we have, or this incredible opportunity we have um, to live this life bonded with Christ. And we ask that you'll help us as we go out this week to uh, take our challenges and see some beautiful things that can come out of them and let Christ help us uh, realize those opportunities to do things that maybe we didn't see before. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.